0: The JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month. For $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business? You want me to talk about it? I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio patreon.com slash jsc radio and you can truly help this become the people's podcast this is jsc radio first
1: things first let's stand down nba summer go to dallas cowboys <laughs> training camp and leave dave and i alone we don't we're done with this we don't want the summer to be over now we've got this we got to for more for more weeks um i think it's important to realize that while we found out about this yesterday that this has been the reality for the Cavs for about two weeks now. And so they have had this on their plate that they've been adjusting and trying to figure out what to do for a period of time. LeBron James, too, he didn't learn about this yesterday. He knew about it for at least a week. So I think that's one thing you have to frame, and this is not something that's going fast. The Cavs are already deciding to go slow here. They have a couple of different options. They could just stonewall and just say, Kyrie, you've got two years left on your contract. We're not going to trade you. Um, let's just work through whatever issues are happening and considering Kyrie has gone back and forth on this issue in the past I could see why they would do that. But having said that guys I don't think they can because Kyrie told Dan Gilbert when they sat down He didn't want to play with LeBron anymore LeBron knows that and I don't think there's any coming back So eventually I think the Cavs will trade Kyrie Ir- check, check,
0: check, check. check it out. This is JSC radio ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages hey now how the hell is everyone doing this has been a wild wacky and crazy week my name is jay scott smith and this is episode 46 of the people's podcast this is J S C radio what's happening cleveland How's everything going over there in Cavalier land? Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. I want to thank each and every one of you who have shown up and shown out for me on the mothership. Jscottsmith.com. That's the home of all things JSC. I want to thank each and every one of you for getting on there and showing love on there. I want to thank all of you who showed love on the Patreon page. patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Be sure to become a patron and you get not only the honor, the privilege, and just overall, the wonderful feeling of helping build a major league podcast. You also get exclusive JSC radio stuff that nobody gets or that you get before anyone else. I've got a special JSC exclusive coming up on the Patreon page later on today. Featuring last week's talk about R. Kelly, which of course I also mentioned was on JscottSmith.com, but you get the audio and a quick breakdown of the reaction that I got from it. And it's it's been rather, rather startling, but in a good way. But it's been rather startling the response I've gotten from this thing. Also, want to thank each and every one of you who's been showing up and listening on any of the podcast providers, whether it's Apple Podcasts, you know, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and go to SoundCloud, that's soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio, or on any other form of podcast provider you can think of. Google Play, what up though? So yes, yes. Yes, damn it! you heard the intro. That was Brian Windhorst, formerly of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, but for the last few years has basically been following around LeBron James. He is your LeBron James update desk, and that was him on ESPN talking about the weirdness and wildness and wackiness that occurred last Friday, not long after last week's episode dropped, that Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, once out of Cleveland, I mean, not that I could blame him because who would want to be in Cleveland in the first place, but Kyrie Irving wants out of Cleveland to kind of put a bow on top of the absolutely terrible post-NBA Finals ass-whipping that the Cavaliers have been living with. Ever since they got basically manhandled in the NBA Finals, It's like everything about that organization and everything about that city has finally risen back to the surface again, and I'm here for it. I can't sit here and act like I'm not. I'm 100% here for it. Because in case you haven't been keeping up, shortly after the Warriors beat the brakes off the Cavaliers and regained the NBA title, Dan Gilbert decided he was going to let go of his general manager, you know, the guy who put that whole thing together the architect of the team. There are general managers walking around right now who haven't made the playoffs and kept their job. This guy was the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers when they won an NBA title less than 365 days earlier. Dan Gilbert, notorious for, you know, doing certain things for the city of Detroit because he's from Detroit and he's a Spartan. Dan Gilbert, not the best NBA owner. As I've so eloquently put it on Twitter, you can of course follow me at J Scott Smith, and you can follow the show at JSC Radio. As I so eloquently put it on Twitter, basically the Cleveland Cavaliers are every bit the trash organization that the New York Knicks or Sacramento Kings are. The only difference is LeBron James acts as the perfect deodorant for it. And if I'm gonna compare the Cleveland Cavaliers to the New York Knicks, then there's a pretty good chance I'm gonna compare Dan Gilbert to to James Dolan, because Dan Gilbert is Midwest James Dolan. Dan Gilbert didn't deserve that NBA championship that LeBron handed him last year. You can argue the Cavs really didn't deserve it either, but he got it, and he immediately has gone to work. He's decided to go about the same way that the Chicago Bulls did almost 20 years ago, but at least they waited till the Bulls had won six championships before they wanted to start claiming total credit for their success and saying it wasn't the players or the coaches, it's ownership in the system. Well, it's amazing what happens when the players and the coaches decided, okay, we're out of here, and what was left was pretty much smoldering wreckage. The Bulls have only made it as far as the conference finals once since 1999. So much for your damn system. Well, first, the Cavaliers lost David Griffin, their general manager, in the middle of trade negotiations, and by the way, as they were getting ready, for the NBA draft. They then failed to somehow bring in Paul George, who ended up in Oklahoma City and not Cleveland. They then spent weeks trying to find a replacement for Griffin, including wooing former Piston Chauncey Billups, Uh to come in as his replacement at GM, and then famously lowballed the shit out of him. He said no, and they had to keep it moving. They failed to upgrade the roster that, you know... Just after the NBA Finals, getting their ass handed to them, a team that ran through the Eastern Conference and then got treated like the JV by the Warriors in the Finals less than, really less than six weeks ago, all this was going bad. Like, really, really bad. The organization, of course, has been on shaky ground with LeBron James since the second he got back, and really since the second that they got beat. And now Kyrie Irving has decided he wants to get the hell out of there. When I say a really good team had a really bad offseason, I'm going to just start saying they got cavaliered because this is all Cleveland. And boy, howdy, did this thing get out of hand in the last few days when Kyrie said he wanted out. You heard Windhorse there at the start of the show. Well, Stephen A. Smith, who never met an NBA controversy, he didn't like and never met an NBA controversy that he couldn't possibly help exploit, decided to get into the act earlier this week, talking about LeBron James's reaction. Now, there were a lot of jokes and a lot of memes, and I may or may not have participated in a few of them in the last few days. I mean, hell, when I first heard about Kyrie Irving wanting out of Cleveland, I was in Center City, Philadelphia. That's downtown Philly, for those of you who don't live here. I was in Center City, Philadelphia at the Apple Store last Friday, getting a a new pair of Beats headphones. No, that's not a plug. It's just me saying what it is. I wish Beats was paying me money to plug their shit. So I'm leaving the Apple store, and I've got these headphones on. I've been able to get a little bit of a charge into them just to see how they sound. They sound great. And I look at my phone, and I see that Windhorse just tweeted out that Kyrie Irving has requested a trade from the Cavaliers. So here I am in the... Subway Station on 15th Street in Center City, Philadelphia, about to hop on the train to head back to the crib, and you can just see a lot of the NBA heads and a lot of the sports fans looking at their phones with the same kind of incredulous look. Like, what the hell is this? Like, like what, what, what's happening? What's going on here? This has to be a joke. Your Twitter has been hacked. Something has to be going on, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. This is legit. This is real, and since then, it's like the whole thing has just kind of taken on a life of its own, and it's it is rather amazing, to be honest with you, because I didn't think that the Cleveland Cavaliers would just crash and burn like this, just to I mean at least not this soon. I figured it was going to happen next season after they, you know, sleepwalk their way through the through the uh. Regular season, rampage through the playoffs and then get their head smashed in again by the Warriors. I figured that's what that's when all this would t- just suddenly break down. No, this damn thing broke down quick, and it broke down quick enough that Stephen A. Smith felt comfortable enough to go on his radio show on Sirius XM and surmise that this is what LeBron James would do if he happened to get in front of. Young Mr. Irving.
1: I had sources in LeBron James' camp literally tell me, and I'm quoting, I'm quoting Charles. If Kyrie was uh, if Kyrie Irving was in front of LeBron James right now, LeBron James would be tempted, quote, to beat his ass,
0: end quote. He would beat his ass. Let's let let me stress this. This is not like Stephen A. giving you a direct name of somebody who would do this. This is not like some sort of direct quote. This is just simply and plainly Stephen A. surmising that if LeBron James was there, according to, quote, sources, and as a journalist, I'm someone who I'm allowed to mock the whole sources deal, that one of these sources that if Kyrie and Braun were in the same room, Braun would give Kyrie them hands. And look, to be perfectly fair, I kind of wouldn't blame him if he would but this is a part of a much larger issue in Cleveland because it's looming over this organization that LeBron is likely out of there after next season if things don't greatly improve. He already left once, and he left when the team wasn't nearly as good. To hear it being bandied about that he might go again, yeah, it's pretty wild. But it's just funny because Kyrie and LeBron apparently have always kind of been frenemies in a way from now all this stuff is starting to come out and little stuff had been just kind of bubbling and boiling to the surface and now all of a sudden after they get blasted out of the NBA finals and should have lost last year by the way they get blasted out of the NBA finals now the stories come out of LeBron chewing out Kyrie after a game in Utah where he scored 34 points without an assist you know the type of shit y'all used to get on Kobe about Except you know, Kyrie is actually a point guard, so little little things like that, and how they didn't always have the best body language. They worked together, they worked together, but they weren't exactly super friends. It was a matter of convenience. Well, the convenience wore off, and now all of a sudden it's like Bron and Kyrie are out here channeling Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty from 1992. But my only question is, which one is Michaels? and which one's Janetti, and who's going through that barbershop glass window.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the Boy, Told nice you. i to that. Told you. Pack team specialists. See, one without the other isn't any good. Oh! Oh, I knew he was going to do that. I just knew he was going to do that. He do not need Janetti. I told you that off and on. Are you kidding? What a despicable actor!
0: Can I just say for a second, by the way, that that particular moment was made so wonderful for like so many different reasons. One, you have Shawn Michaels coming in there. This is young Shawn Michaels. This is like mid to late 20s Shawn Michaels standing there. Go look up the picture of Shawn and Marty in the barber shop in 1992. Shawn in there pretty much wearing a black version of the outfit that Eddie Murphy wore in Eddie Murphy Raw. He's got the... I don't even know what to call that hair he's got working in that whole thing. Marty Janetti looking like he just got done working on somebody's car. Then you have Brutus Beefcake, who, he it's like Brutus Beefcake, it's like they took a guy from the movie The Fifth Element and dropped him in there holding a pair of garden shears. And, of course, who can go wrong? You can never go wrong with Gorilla and Bobby, especially Bobby Heenan's reaction when Janetti goes through the window calling him a coward, saying he tried to escape through the window. That whole thing is great. Well, guess what? That's your situation in Cleveland right now. You just don't know which one of them is going through the damn window. This has been a weird-ass week in sports, especially with the NBA, not the NFL, being the big pain in the ass. I mean, we'll get into the NFL in the second half of this show on a very serious topic dealing with brain injuries and CTE. But we're having some fun right now. We're having a lot of fun right now. And between... Bron and Kyrie beefed out. The NBA season has like bled into the summer and helped bridge that gap going into the baseball postseason slash NFL season kicking off, pun intended. But in the midst of all this foolishness, training camp's starting to open up, and the Dallas Cowboys, everybody's famously pretentious team, America's so-called team that hasn't won a championship in 20 years, and hasn't really been relevant, save for the last couple, they decided that they were going to release a wide receiver slash kick returner named Lucky Whitehead. Now, you might be wondering, why should we care about a guy who caught all of three passes last year and was not the best in terms of being a kick returner? Well, the reason Lucky Whitehead was released, that would be Rodney Darnell Whitehead Jr., his real name, is because he had an open warrant for missing a court appearance for shoplifting in Virginia. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this guy shoplifted in Virginia. A grown ass NFL player shoplifting from a Wawa in Virginia. One minor problem coming out of Prince William County in Virginia. It turned out that young Mr. Whitehead didn't actually commit the crime. Instead, it was a guy who had managed to have stolen his identity, and when he got caught shoplifting, the police grabbed the guy. He gives the police this dude's name and social security number. It is absolutely nuts. Let me read this whole thing off to you. Upon reviewing the June 22nd, 2017 arrest of an individual named Rodney Darnell Whitehead Jr., the police department, that would be the Prince William County Police Department, is confident that the man charged with petty larceny, who subsequently sought on an active warrant for failure to appear in court, is not Lucky Whitehead of the Dallas Cowboys. The man charged on the morning of June 22nd was not in possession of identification at the time of the encounter. However, he did verbally provide identifying information to officers, which included a name, date of birth, and social security number matching that of Mr. Whitehead. Officers then checked his information through the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles database. The DMV photo on file was then used to compare to the man who was in custody. Officers acted in good faith that at the time, the man in custody was the same man matching the information provided. At this point, the police department is also confident in confirming that Mr. Whitehead's identity was falsely provided to police during the investigation. The police department is currently seeking the identity of the man involved. Since the identifying information provided by the arrestee during the investigation was apparently false, the police is now working with the Prince William County Commonwealth Attorney's Office to clear The real Mr. Whitehead from this investigation and the police department regrets the impact these events had on Mr. Whitehead and his family. Well, thanks a lot for sake. Thanks a lot for that one. So the Cowboys, who apparently had been itching to get rid of this cat, Whitehead, who just the day before had claimed his dog had been kidnapped, apparently by a rapper, and now gets fingered in a shoplifting case Never mind that he wasn't even in the state of Virginia the day the damn thing happens. So he finds out somebody has stolen his identity and dropped his name after shoplifting, gets released by the Cowboys on Monday, just hours after it turns out he didn't show up for this court case. And of course he wouldn't show up for it because he didn't know he'd done anything. Whitehead's plane ticket showed he was in Dallas at the time. He was actually in Dallas at the time it occurred. Whitehead's flight landed in Washington, D.C. 10 hours after the incident. So somehow, he was like the Flash or Sonic the Hedgehog and flew in and shoplifted, according to the Dallas Cowboys. And although Whitehead denied any involvement, the Cowboys decided to release him anyway. Quote, in handling the situation and evaluating with the authorities there and talking to him, we just didn't feel it was in the best interest of the Cowboys to have him with us. We've got a track record of being able to take guys that made some mistakes early in their career and they get better. They grow and develop, and they become great citizens and great players. We have a number of guys like that on our team right now. Whitehead served as a punt and kick returner. He had 20 carries and nine catches on offense in his two years with the team. He's 25 years old and is a Virginia native. The Dallas Cowboys pulling the we have players that that make mistakes and we give them second chances card. Do you know some of the guys that they've given opportunities to? You mean to tell me that finally the Dallas Cowboys release a dude for committing a crime and it turns out that the dude was actually innocent and did nothing wrong. The ironically named Lucky Whitehead. They actually got rid of him because he shoplifted, which he actually didn't. This is a team that employed Greg Hardy. This is a team that gave chance after chance after chance to other miscreant players. Think of the Dallas Cowboys of the 1990s. They were literally running a whorehouse. But Lucky Whitehead gets popped for shoplifting, and he didn't actually shoplift. Y'all know he didn't shoplift, and you got rid of him anyway. It's just one more reason the fail boys are the fail boys. I mean, my my favorite team, the Detroit Lions, might be a bunch of arrogant panty wastes themselves. And yes, they're a team that finally has decided to take those stupid ass playoff appearance banners out of the rafters of Ford Field. So I give them credit for that. The Lions may be losers, but at least they're not idiots like the Dallas Cowboys. They're not full-on posers like the Cowboys are. The Cowboys may have a whole lot more championships. The Cowboys may win a whole hell of a lot more games than the Lions. But at least there's that. At least the Lions. I mean, the Lions are perpetrating a fraud, but they're just not perpetrating the fraud of saying that we feel it's in our best interest not to have Lucky Whitehead on this team. The same team that was dabbling in the idea of bringing in Johnny Manziel. The same team that brought in Greg Hardy as women's groups protested angrily outside of the stadium. But lucky Whitehead is the problem. And no love to some of the NFL reporters who are caping for the Cowboys and making excuses and claiming that Whitehead was a problem and you just don't realize it. He wasn't that big of a problem if you kept the cocaine Cowboys working from back in the 1990s. And one other thing, as I get this this whole thing wrapped up as we head into the second half of this show, what about Julio Jones? who may have had the single greatest damn story of the friggin' offseason. Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons who made a catch for the ages that we've all forgotten about because the New England Patriots were in the midst of making the greatest comeback in NFL history during the Super Bowl. This is just a funny little anecdote where apparently Mr. Jones is on a jet ski with a pair of $150,000, supposedly, diamond earrings in his ears. One of them falls out as he's splashing around in the water, and he sends a recovery team into the lake to go get it. It's like, bruh, you balling that hard? I get it. You just played in a Super Bowl. You just made a catch of a lifetime. It sure as hell wasn't your fault that that team gagged away a 28-3 to 3 lead in 17 minutes. You did everything you could to try to close the deal. So if you want to ball out and put on $150,000 earrings, then damn it. More power to you. I ain't going to be mad. I ain't going to hate. Hell, I wish I had the money to be able to even think of buying a $150,000 pair of diamond earrings. But, bruh, why the hell are you wearing them on the water? Why? Like Why Why are you out on the waves? Why are you riding the waves on a jet ski out here getting your Brutus beefcake on? Why, why are you out here on jet skis and $150,000 earrings? And then he sends a two-man search team into the lake to go get it. Like I'm just picturing that. It's like you realize that the earring is off your ear, and you gotta, and you gotta step up. Like I gotta get the scuba team. I gotta get SEAL Team Six out here to go jump into a lake and find an, an earring, bruh. You gotta charge that one to the proverbial game, homie. That's it. That's it. That's done. You can, you might as well just write that off. It ain't coming back. That shit's over with. Hundred fifty thousand dollar earrings. I, look, this is the fun side of what. I do in talking about sports when I've gotten the opportunity to actually cover sports. This is some of the fun stuff. I enjoy this. Coming up after this break, we get serious again. And uh we'll stick with the NFL. You saw the report that came out in the New York Times a few days ago. And on episode eight of JSC Radio, I talked about CTE and head injuries. And not just football, but across the across the board in sports. Well, the first set of CTE research was really released earlier this week, and it's a definite, frightening prognosis for so many men who played football. On the pro level, on the high school level, on the college level, on the peewee level. If you extensively played football for large amounts of your life, you're likely in some really big-ass trouble. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this, episode 46 of the people's podcast this is jsc radio and we'll be back after this check
1: check, check it Check it out
0: this is jsc radio in 50 feet turn
1: left you driving so slowly after a
0: few drinks i'm taking it slow well
1: you're not fooling the cop behind you what get ready to pay in 0.1 miles
0: <sighs> getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines legal fees and increased insurance rates nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving because buzz driving is drunk driving brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council hey now it's jay scott smith here the host of jsc radio which you can now hear on stitcher radio that's right stitcher is radio on demand now you can download the free app today and it's available on ios android as well as nook and kendall fire you can take jsc radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlist. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million card dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio, be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. We have this fear of concussion uh, that is real, but not all of those, I think, statistics can prove anything. Uh, We've got new helmets coming out. We've got safety issues. There are more concussions in child, women, girl's soccer than in football at that age. What are you talking about? The number two sport with concussions is women's soccer. Uh, but no one says, gotta stop playing soccer, all right? And uh, so it's same thing with knee injuries. There are more knee injuries at eight to 12 in soccer than football. And you can find all the statistics you want if you want to crucify something.
1: That's some old bullshit.
0: This is the 46th episode of The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. I want to thank each and every one of you, as always, for supporting the show on any of your favorite podcast providers. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, to get down with JSC Radio. You can also follow the show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash JSC radio on Google play. We are out there as well. Just search JSC radio and of course on Stitcher You can find JSC radio. Be sure to subscribe. I want to thank everybody for showing love on Patreon Patreon.com slash JSC radio. You go there right now. If you are a patron a paid patron You will get a special Shortened up version of last week's monologue on R. Kelly that has become really really popular over on the mothership JscottSmith.com and also be on the lookout, of course, for the JSC Wild, the J Scott Smith words of wisdom that drop every single Friday morning on JscottSmith.com. Most of all, I just want to thank you guys for all the support that you guys showed me as I continue to slowly but surely build this damn podcast. 46 episodes in getting closer and closer to the big 5-0. Which when I first started doing this show a little more than a year ago, I I'd, I'd wondered if I was gonna get to 50 episodes or not. So for you guys to continue to support me, greatly appreciate it. Also want to of course throw a shout out to my man, Doc Illingsworth. You hear his music right now underneath me. That brother shot me a massive folder full of beats and he has been a huge, huge help and a huge supporter to not only this show, but a whole lot of things I've done the last 10 years. This guy, Rufio Jones, be sure to hit him up on YouTube, he does his show, Allow Me. Be sure to go check out Allow Me. It is on the YouTube, just simply search Allow Me. All the Detroit City crew. So I'm talking about Strife, I'm talking about Ruth Jones, Sean Uppercut, Doc Gillingsworth, all you cats back in the Motor City. I wanna thank you guys for being mad supportive of me and everybody else who supports JSC Radio. So thanks a lot, y'all, I really appreciate it. What you heard there at the start of this segment, however, I don't appreciate that too much because every day that goes by where you hear a coach or a player or an owner or a general manager say something that ignorant about head injuries, that's it, it. the phrase, that didn't age well, has become very common on Twitter when referring to tweets from certain um, so-called leaders and individuals. But things that don't age well are often things like what you heard from Bruce Arians the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, former head coach at Temple University, former football player himself. CTE. It's one of those things where it's become like the modern day smoking, where people for years and years and years and years and years lived in denial of how dangerous it was. CTE, better known as chronic traumatic encephalopathy. CTE, the degenerative brain disease believed to be the cause of numerous suicides, deaths, all sorts of cognitive issues with former NFL, largely in NFL players, but not just in NFL players, but former football players in general. And it's led to suicides. It's led to dangerous behavior. It's led to abusive behavior. And it's, it's seemed or believed to be caused by repeated blows to the head. I would put it like this. CTE is caused by repeated blows to the head, much in the same way that lung cancer is caused by smoking. It's pretty definitive. And you can live in denial and say, well, we don't have the full defined... Look. Look. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I played football, but it was only for a couple years. I didn't grow up playing football like a lot of people did. I got lucky in that aspect, I guess, that I didn't get my head bashed into the ground. I didn't suffer a myriad of concussions. In fact, I can still count on one hand the number of concussions I suffered. It was two. Boy, did I get lucky it was only two, especially when you look back at everything that's happened to people in football. But football, it, it has become almost too big to fail in this country. It's become the tobacco industry. It's become big pharma. It's become like the banks. And there is just as much money invested, if not more so, in protecting the myth of football, as there is in actually protecting the players. For years, people were trying to figure out what the hell is going on with these players years after they after they retired. Many of them dying in their 50s or in their 60s, some cases in their 40s. A lot of them started committing suicide. Many of them just lashing out violent outbursts toward women and children in their lives, toward other people. Well, on Tuesday, the Journal of the American Medical Association put out their findings. It was led by Dr. Ann McKee, a neuropathologist who examined the brains of 202 dead football players. The survey of her findings was published, and of the 202 players, 111 of them made it to the NFL. Of those 111 guys, 110 were found to have some form of CTE. Let me say that again. Out of 111 guys, 110 had some form of CTE. 110 out of a possible 111. That's a good old 99%. CTE causes a myriad of symptoms including memory loss, confusion, depression, and dementia, often set on at an early age. And the problem's going to arrive years after the blows to the head started. The New York Times really laid out in a pretty, I mean, it's 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 macabre, but it's also a very cool graphic that shows like the cross-section of the brains that were analyzed. Of the players, 44 players were linemen, either offensive or defensive. That will be something important to bring back up. 20 were running backs. 17 were defensive backs. I was a defensive back. 13 were linebackers. 7 were quarterbacks. 5 were wide receivers. 2 tight ends. One place kicker, one punter. Place kickers and punters even. And kickers, they don't take a lot of hits. Kickers often will take hits on either botched field goals or botched extra points. Or if you run a kicker out there during kick returns, they will occasionally try to get in there and make plays and often get lit up. How many of us who are fans of Michigan State remember what occurred in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago when that kicker from Baylor got absolutely destroyed while trying to chase down a block kick. Destroyed. He was out before he hit the ground. It, it, was, it, it was... That's what happened. So kickers do get hit. They don't get hit a lot. But a kicker will get his ass laid out if given the right opportunity. The brains are from players who died as young as 23 years old and as old as 89. They were players, some of them were guys you've obviously heard of, like the late Ken Stabler, the Hall of Fame quarterback. And some were people that they couldn't even identify because the family chose to keep their names secret. You had guys such as Ronnie Kavnis, a linebacker for the Houston Oilers and Kansas City Chiefs. In college, he helped the Arkansas Razorbacks go undefeated in 1964. One of his teammates was Jerry Jones, the owner of the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys. The owner of the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys, who continues to deny that blows to the head play a factor in CTE. He's essentially he's one of those people who in the in the late 1970s early 1980s would have been denying that cigarettes cause cancer. That sort of thing. Another one is Ali Matson who played 14 years in the NFL. He won two medals on track in the 1952 Helsinki Olympics. He died in 2011 at the age of 80 after being mostly bedridden with dementia. And Matson was found to have severe CTE. Now, the New York Times also went on to say the set of players tested posthumously by Dr. McKee was a far from a random sample of NFL retirees. There was a tremendous selection bias, noting that many families have donated brains specifically because of the former players showed symptoms of CTE. But 110 positives out of 111 guys is still pretty startling, no matter what it is. About 1,300 former players have died since the Boston University group that originated this whole thing about CTE started. So even if every one of the other 1,200 players had tested negative, the minimum CTE prevalence would be close to 9%, which is way higher than the general population. The NFL's top safety and health officials have finally acknowledged a link between football and CTE. And even the league itself has begun to steer kids away from playing the sport in its regular form, you know, tackle football. I grew up in Michigan. I'm out here in Philadelphia. I'm in Pennsylvania, big football state. Ohio, huge football state. Texas, Georgia, Florida, California, big football states. Illinois is a big football state. Minnesota, is a huge football state. Nebraska and Missouri are big football states. Kids are out there beating the crap out of each other as young as six, seven, and eight years old. Like full on, like just getting smashed. Smash, man. So when you think about it, and you got to put this into perspective, because just earlier today, for example, just earlier today as we're recording this, we had another player retire from the NFL abruptly, which has started to happen a lot more often than those realize. Like a couple weeks ago, we talked about Calvin Johnson retiring at 30, for example. And he retired partially because of the injuries and being beaten up, but dude also retired for other reasons as we went into on that show. But you have to think. 30 years old he was a wide receiver he took a ton of hits even for a guy who could get away he still took a ton of hits but at 30 years old and let's just assume he started playing football at 10 or 12 years old maybe or maybe eight years old. let's say he started playing football at 10 years old he retired at 30 that's 20 years of hits and you know he had countless concussions Countless shots to the head. And not, and, and that's not always concussions from getting hit by other players. That could be getting hit, falling down, and hitting your head on the ground or bouncing your head off somebody else. It's not even intentional headshots, kill shots that do it. John Urschel, who was the starting center for the Baltimore Ravens, retired abruptly at that and offered up this statement. Thank you to everyone for the kind words today. It wasn't an easy decision, but I believe it was the right one for me. There's no big story here, and I'd appreciate the right to privacy. I'm extremely grateful to the Ravens and blessed to have been able to play the game I love at the highest level. It's a great game. There are some great games, like the playoff game at Pittsburgh, that I'll never forget. I'm excited to start working on my doctorate in mathematics full-time at MIT. I'm looking forward to the chance to take courses that are only offered in the fall semester while spending time with my fiancé and preparing myself for new challenges that will come with fatherhood. We're expecting our first child in December. John Urschel, who's been talked about because he's a mathematician, extremely sharp guy, pro football player getting out at this age, he's 26 years old, getting out of the NFL at 26, you think, okay, he's got himself a long life ahead of him. He's going to be able to live, be able to do right. And he should be able to because he's no longer taking headshots over and over and over again. But you have to understand, he's a lineman. He's an offensive lineman. He's a center. So he's looming right over the ball. As the New York Times lays out, linemen make up the largest share by far of those tested by Dr. McKee, partly because nearly half of the 22 players on the field are either offensive or defensive linemen. Linemen knock heads on most plays. And those who study brain trauma say the accumulation of seemingly benign, nonviolent blows to the head, rather than the head jarring concussions alone, probably cause CTE. Data compiled by researchers at Stanford showed that one college offensive lineman sustained 62 of these hits in a single damn game college, they play, what, 12 games in a season, 13 maybe if you make the playoff, or a bowl game. Take 62 of those in one game and stretch that out over 12. Just assume that's your requisite high-end number. Let's just say the average number that, in a, that, a, that a starting lineman on either side of the ball is taken, 35, 40, 45. Now ratchet that up over the course of 10 years, 12 years. If that's That's assuming you get out in your 20s. 10 years, 12 years. That's not getting into these guys who play 15 years, 16 years, 17 years in the NFL. They're damn near 40 years old when they retired. They started playing football when they were 10. That's 30 years of hits to the head. Starts to make sense, doesn't it? Each hit comes with an average force on a player's head equivalent to what you would see in if he'd driven his car into a brick wall at 30 miles an hour. You often hear the adage that football is essentially multiple car crashes every single day, and your body is recovering from essentially being in multiple car crashes. That's what they mean. That's what they're talking about. John Urschel's getting out at 26, so that means he might have 16 years worth of a beating on his head. 16 years. That's the scary thing about CTE. CTE is not... I made the comparison between, like, smoking cigarettes and getting lung cancer and playing football and getting CTE. But the thing about that is when people quit smoking at a certain age, your body can kind of turn back around. It can kind of heal up. You can kind of mitigate the damage you do if you quit smoking at a certain age at a certain time. When you get brain damage, that shit's just there. It's, it, it, it does not really go away. It's not going away. CTE is there. Brain damage is there. The spots on your brain are there. And no matter what age you get out, it ain't going nowhere. It's just the level of how much damage was done. Meaning, getting out at 26 does not mean you're not going to get CTE. Sadly, a lot of these guys who are getting out at 24, 25, a lot of these guys who who are quitting football while they're in college. Michigan State had a kid who just said, I can't do this anymore. And he quit to try to save himself. Just because you quit early doesn't mean they won't get you. It just means you may be able to live a little bit longer physically overall. But you put yourself at risk when you do this. Quarterbacks, for example, they're the ones who are most highly paid in the league. And I'm talking about guys like Tom Brady. People think Tom Brady doesn't get hit. Tom Brady gets hit a lot. He acknowledged this last year and got himself in a whole bunch of trouble for admitting that he had a bunch of concussions he may not have talked talked about. Quarterbacks have provided more protection against hits to the head than any other player in the league, but that doesn't eliminate concussions and other blows to their head. Quarterbacks still get their, hit their heads really hard on the ground when they're tackled or sacked. They take head-jarring hits if they leave the pocket to try to run. So guys like Cam Newton, for example, getting his ass out of the pocket and getting lit up. Where he may not have a concussion per se, but he keeps getting his head jarred over and over and over again. I mentioned 10 Stabler earlier. The Snake, the Hall of Fame quarterback from the Oakland Raiders. McKee found that Stabler had a moderate a severe case of CTE the lesions on his brain were widespread now he died of colon cancer but his physical like being had deteriorated for years because of it so it's not like this was just something that was kind of tangential to everything it was connected it was connected so what do you do here NFL season's about to start training camps have started opening up around the country high school teams have been practicing for a while college teams have been practicing for a while I've said this plain and simple. I've been blunt about this on this show. If I'm ever fortunate enough to have a kid, he ain't playing football. He ain't playing football. He ain't playing soccer. He ain't playing hockey. Those are the three main ones. People forget. And they should start doing, like, start checking on soccer players. Because soccer players take a lot of blows to the head. Rugby players take a lot of blows to the head. Hockey players, that's going to be the next frontier, are hockey players. Because the NHL has had its own concussion protocol problems. Hockey players take blows to the head. Even in baseball, catchers, for example, are wide ass open. Catchers who don't take nearly as many blows to the head as, say, a goaltender or a linebacker or a midfielder or a, or a hockey or a soccer goaltender, for example, they still get lit up. So you gotta check on them too. But my kid ain't playing football. He ain't playing soccer. He's not gonna be out here like Dave Dorson, killing himself, or Junior Sayao. Again, I mentioned it earlier in the first half of the show. We, of course, had some fun talking about Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Professional wrestlers have this issue too. Pro wrestling was forced to address this, like really start to address this 10 years ago when Chris Benoit murdered his wife, murdered his son, and killed himself. And when people were quick to try to write it off as roid rage, and he raged out, he's on steroids and human growth hormone. You know what happened? They did one good look over at his brain. And his brain looked just like a lot of these NFL players, CTE, from years of headshots. Years of unprotected, wide-open chair shots. Years of him diving off the top rope and hitting headbutts. Years of him diving through the ropes and going headlong into barricades and tables and hitting the floor. Of him getting slammed. All those back bumps they take, which whiplash off your head. All those shots he took to the head, not just from chairs, but from anything else. Pro wrestling had to kind of force itself to crack down on this, but there are still promotions in the indies where guys are taking full-on kill shots. Hell, the company that was formerly known as TNA, now known as Global Force Wrestling, guys are still taking kill shots on that show as recently as a year ago. Dudes were still taking unprotected chair shots to the head in that company. This is across the board here. You only get one brain, and your brain is very sensitive. So when shit happens to it, it could just be there and that's it. But we can no longer sit here and act as if football does not play a role in this. We can't be here like the guy who's the current president of the United States mocking it saying, oh, it's just a bump on the head coming from a guy who never really got out there and took shots like I did. And I didn't get hit nearly as much as other guys did. It's outrageous. Football's a dangerous game. But I've also seen it roll up and down on social media and different places. Well, what's the future of football? How much longer is football in this country going to last? Football ain't going nowhere because it's too big to fail. It's big business. Football has got at least 30 years left on the low end. They're going to try to pass it off as, oh, well, we're making the game safer and safer tackling techniques. You can put in every possible metric. You can put in every single kind of safeguard. You can do all these different things. Dudes are still taking head shots. There's still going to be that reckless idiot on the field who's out there clotheslining or head slapping or head butting somebody. You're never going to weed it out of linemen. Offensive and defensive linemen instinctively, they can reach up and go for somebody's pads and go for somebody's shoulders, The the crowns of their heads are still hitting together, and they're still getting rattled every single damn play. You can't stop the natural ability to fall, and somebody's going to hit their head on the floor or hit their head on the field or on astroturf, field turf, which is tougher than regular grass. You can't pad that fall. It's been proven that helmets don't do a whole hell of a lot to stop concussions because a concussion isn't just simply being hit in the head. It's the force with which you're hit that causes your brain to shift and bump around inside of your skull. Your brain is not flush against your skull. It's floating around in there. And if it gets moved or jostled a little bit too hard, That's what happens, and you get concussions. So what's there to be done? You can't test for CTE while somebody's alive, and you can do everything you can to protect somebody's head, but that's not going to save you all the time. That's not going to protect you. My kid ain't playing football, and even as recently as five years ago, that would have gotten somebody called a pansy or soft or, oh, you're raising your kid to be soft. Now more and more you're seeing that sentiment come out, and it's not just coming out from goobers like me. It's coming from former NFL players and former college football players that they don't want their kid playing the sport they grew up on. That if their kid's going to become an athlete, he might go to the NBA. That if your kid's going to become an athlete, he's going to become a baseball player or he might run, but he ain't getting on a football field or he ain't jumping his ass out on the ice or he's not out there trying to be a soccer player. Because CTE is real, and I hate to say it, but these guys who are getting out of the game now, as smart as it is and as well-intentioned as it is, it could already be too late. Because if you're 26 years old getting out of the league right now, that means you've likely been doing 16 years worth of damage on the low end to your head. And you may have only been doing it for 16 years, but you could have 30 years worth of damage. And you won't know it until it's too late. My name is Jay Scott Smith. I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. Take care of yourselves out there, seriously. Give yourself a second to think about whether or not being on the gridiron is really worth it for you. Episode 46, episode 46, it's in the books, 47, it's coming up next week. Be sure to support jscottsmith.com, the JSC Words of Wisdom, and go to patreon.com slash jscradio to help keep this show moving and growing. Thank you so much for your support, and I'll holler at you next week. Goodbye everybody. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio.
1: I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded.
0: I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand.
1: I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head.
0: She killed herself.
1: And later killed the owner of the store he
0: was trying to rob. If you
1: own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.